Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking a little bit about Superman. There's a new series out, My Adventures with Superman. We're going to talk about that today. My name is Chris. Uh, my name I'm is Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to go in whatever order, so please continue. Yes. Oh, hey, I'm Seth, and we're all organized today. <laughs> Charles. And and I think we heard Jenna in there. Yeah. So yeah. All good. But did we? That's the question. Yes. Yes. So uh, there's a new animated series out, My Adventures with Superman. Um, and, you know, Seth and I have been talking about this uh, over the last week or so. Um, there's a, and Seth can talk a little bit more about the DC shakeup a little bit, but this is a new series. It's not telling a new story per se, just gives it a little bit of a different look um, and experience into uh, Superman when he first gets to Metropolis, starting out his relationship with, with Lois and Jimmy and getting started at the Daily Planet and him discovering his powers and all that kind of stuff. So this is this is Superman in his early days. It covers a little bit of his childhood. Uh, the shorter episodes, um, slightly refreshed animation type style. Um, and and to be honest with you, um, I wasn't sure if this was something I was going to like. Um, and I watched the first episode, and I could take it or leave it. Um, but Seth continued. Seth had watched another episode and convinced me to keep going, and I have. Uh, and I just finished watching the third episode today, and you know what? It's growing on me, and I do think I like it a little bit. Um, it's definitely it's a it's a it's a PG type rated uh, series. So it's not intended for young adults or, or adults or even children. It's just kind of out there. It's good, clean, fun, so to speak, um, where you get to go through Superman's adventures. Uh, it's not for everybody. I have some issues with the animation style. So as you can see here, um, there's a lot of there's not a lot of detail in the backgrounds and, and the landscapes and things like that. It's very plain, but it's not focusing on um, the animation style per se. It's focused on just the story, which helps keep things moving, I guess. It's Superman versus whatever bad guys. It's Lois trying to get the story, putting herself in danger. And Jimmy's kind of out there trying to get that one perfect shot for the Daily Planet, right? <laughs> so... Um, but it's been good, and and I, I struggle with it. And and they've made a few episodes, like I said, three so far. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure if I'm sold on it. I don't know why this exists per se. Mm -hmm. um, and I can tell you that so far that when I first saw the trailer, I can tell you that I was really excited about it. The trailer made this seem um, the way it was advertised, pitched. I'll say was this. It was like, hey, we're gonna take what you like out of anime, and we're gonna put it. We're going to slam Superman into that. Uh, but after having watched it, that's not really the sense that I'm getting. So I, I've been disappointed on that level personally. Uh, but again, it's growing on me. So we'll see where we end up. Yeah. I So my concern watching the first episode with this is that they're trying to capitalize on the popularity of Japanese animation style mm -hmm. uh, and everything. And just try and put Superman in that to get that audience to bring the numbers back up, the interest. That's that's kind of what I felt like. It was fun, but it felt more like an attention grab to me. So I, I would agree with that, actually, too. Mm -hmm. To specifically counter that, I don't think that this was done to, uh, to like, be ooh, like, ooh, we've got Superman in anime now. Like, they've been making anime of all sorts of stuff for a while now, it usually just goes below the radar. Like I know, and this is another popular attempt to me. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just the art style they decided to use. It looks uh, very reminiscent of 
the facial styles and whatnot are much more reminiscent of American anime. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. I get yeah. a lot of that feel from it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just a style they decided to go with. And it might also be that it was cheaper to draw that way. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, it feels it feels cheaper, and that that's what was discouraging for me because it's like this is DC. Um, we know how far they can take things. It didn't feel. Again, when when I saw the trailer, I was kind of excited because the trailer the trailer didn't make it seem like it was all going to be broadly cheap. But then, like when they're fighting robots or whatever, it's all very plain. It's very polygonish in some aspects of it and and i wasn't i wasn't happy with that however after having just kept watch it uh when i keep watching it it if i can ignore that i do enjoy it and it's not too long or whatever but like once i really start because and, and maybe that's it maybe, maybe my mindset is expecting more from the from the anime style the anime what anime fans expect uh because i'm an anime watcher as well and I feel like the trailer was cut for an anime, but the actual series is just another, you know, uh, airbender, if you will, uh, Americanized uh, animation type series. So, sorry. Yes. I don't know, but I, I am liking it. It's just, it's a mm-hmm. it's a seven out of ten for me right now, and I started at a three out of ten. So yeah, okay. we're we're at the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think like if, if I was writing, I'd like save the big set pieces for later on. Yeah, like the really like I mean, and it is kind of like these few episodes are probably also a pilot where they're trying. Yeah, it does to, feel that way too. Yes, exactly. Where they're yeah, like all pilots feel <laughs> a little bit different from the rest of the series, specifically because sometimes they haven't figured everything out. Sometimes they're trying to save a little bit of money on the animation just in case the it doesn't get the numbers they're hoping for. Uh, but like I would expect, like since it is really a an origin story for Superman, you wouldn't expect his like big fight with Zod to happen, uh, like the first episode. Yeah. And so I, mean, I want to do something here. It's kind of an, uh, if we could, as a minor experiment. Bill, that link, could we cue that up? Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's watch that trailer and see the difference. Let me get that up here. Because it it's gonna it's gonna depict something that is what I won't say trapped me, but is what drew my right. attention to this series and, and how it was cut. That's a good um, idea. And and this this felt like oh we're gonna get this this new adventure series of Superman. It's going to be really cool. Um, and, and it, and it gave me, this was like, again, to me, in my opinion, it was cut. Like you would have a Japanese anime done mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, but uh, we should, uh, we should cue that up and, and uh, check that out. So while Bill does that, um, you know, I, so I just finished watching the third episode this morning and it had Lois in one scene does this kind of portrayal of, um, uh, it felt Pokemon-ish a little bit, and what what they did for some of it. But we'll we'll get into that. It looks like this is about ready. Yeah, let me go uh, full screen on it here. Okay. We're not getting sound. You're not. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Okay, hold on. Nice pink shirt, Superman. <laughs> right. So I guess while we're figuring this out, I'd like to actually say what I liked about. Yeah, the please. Uh, we've been kind of ragging on it, but uh, <laughs> I, I really like the characters. Like, the the beginning, like, this is how I think, when I think of Superman, this is how I think of Superman. This is yeah. like a big, dorky, Kansas kid who is just, like, trying to figure it out. He's maybe not good with people because he hasn't, like, been able to be around a whole lot of people. Yep. But there's also the wonder and the happiness. Like in the first episode, when he it shows him as a kid when he first figures out he can fly, and it's just such a happy moment that we keep forgetting to put in our Superman stuff. Is like he's a kid who figures out he can fly. He's gonna love that. 
He's gonna yeah. be happy with and, that. And he's still adjusting to his strength. Like, even with an alarm clock, okay, don't break the alarm clock. Okay, don't break the, don't don't break the sink. Yeah, don't do not don't do all these things or whatever. Um, I, I agree with you, Seth. Like, the, the, especially Lois isn't perfect, and they, and they show that in here. And Clark has to deal with the fact that Lois might lie. You know, yeah. that, that Lois um, will put herself in danger for what he might consider this is a stupid reason to do this. But he's also starting to learn to accept Lois for who she is, you know? Like yeah, with so with so many of the comic book stories, or at least with the the DC stuff, uh, and they make excellent animated movies, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. their animated and television material, it like kind of is better than Marvel's, in my opinion. Yeah, but, I have that video whenever you're ready. But, yeah, with so okay, with so many of them, like the characters are actually kind of subsumed into the archetype of Batman. Like, yeah, Batman yeah. is just, he's gruff, and that's where they stop. He's gruff yeah. and he's smart. Yeah. But with this, they're actually giving these characters a few different traits that makes them really relatable. Like, uh, Superman is, uh, like, just a sweetheart and a nice guy, and mm-hmm. uh Bash he's not a brooder off. like he was in the other ones in the in the films that is depicted. So yeah, yeah, he's a little bit of a goober. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> is obsessed with the uh, cryptids and conspiracy theories. Yes, and yeah, he's a little bit he's a little bit more of the comic relief, and he gets an actual like character. And then Lois is, uh, we're seeing her at the start of her career too. She's not. Pulitzer Prize winning Lois Lane, she's like the young go get him, maybe a little too bit hungry for her own good uh, reporter. Yeah. The, the chief is like, no, you get, you show them how to make coffee and like you're an the intern. intern. Yeah. <laughs> and so, all right, Bill, like, play you know, it so we can get a context okay. of. All right, here we go. <sighs> I can do this. I'm going to hide my powers and be a normal man having a normal day. Hang on. Starting now. Don't. Everyone thinks they know the man of steel. Ah! But you've never seen the son of Jarrell like this before. Who am I? Ah! What was that? Superman! I'd like to interview you for the Daily Planet. Uh, sorry, no comment. What was these are the new interns. I want you to show them the ropes and get... They can help me with the story. If we break this, we'll become real reporters. <laughs> this is the story of the century. Who is Superman? Lois, I know what Superman is. Huh? You think he's a plane? <laughs> it kind of looks like a bird. My Adventures with Superman. Two-episode series premiere. Thursday, July 6th at midnight on Adult Swim. Next day on Max. All right. All right. Yeah, so that, that was it. I, I guess I can see why that would hook you in. That that was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it it is, I think, a more character based than action based series. It is, and I felt like they they gave a little bit of action mm-hmm. in there to make me think that might be what it has a bit of, and there is. But there's, I guess, maybe I want more, right? And in in anime, you always work up to these these epic battles right or or these one-on-ones versus the good guy and the bad guy um and for all i know they're they're working towards it or something because superman's still discovering his powers in this latest episode uh spoiler warning uh jenna if you're continuing to watch any of it um you know he starts uh, getting handled with his laser eyes right mm-hmm. um there's a situation where he needs to do that so as he continues to grow as clark he's also continuing to grow as superman in discovering his powers and stuff so it like i said seth and i went back and forth on it i told him i was like hey i don't know that i'm really sold on it uh but he convinced me to keep watching and i have and it is growing on me and it is getting better and i think there's maybe some validity to the whole like it could just be a pilot kind of start out and maybe it does improve over time um i just wish they put i I could see where more effort could go in and and some of the animation styles or something like that but if i look past that i do enjoy the characters lois does some very funny things in the third episode that i i thought that was pretty good 
you know um and same with jimmy and then and then clark kent to your point seth plays this kind of geeky geeky guy and when he's put in weird situations he's just you know he's completely different but he's struggling between okay now when i become superman i have to act like superman i'm not clark but he still gets nervous around lois and stuff like that so all of those things are in there and i do think there's more focus on the characters and that part is a bit refreshing so i think that's what's pulling me in now but the trailer to me felt like this is going to be an action adventure series with with superman and it's not really about that per se I will say I do appreciate the fact that because this is an urban environment, <laughs> it's going to be diverse. We now see more diversity in the representation of the characters. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. So I mean, yeah. that Lois is ambiguous in what she might possibly be. Jimmy <laughs> is obviously not the same Jimmy that people are used yep. to. And it works. It doesn't feel forced. It feels mm -hmm. very natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like just a detail from uh, the first episode that like made me realize I was really going to like it is like after the big, the fight at the end of the first episode, mm -hmm. no, it was the second episode. Yeah. The big fight at the end of the seven second episode, uh, Superman Clark cleans up the city that they wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting detail because normally you, they don't cover any of that and it shows Superman after to your point, there's like these flipped over cars, like small fires everywhere. And he turns around and he looks and he's like, look at this mess. Right. And so he does, he like does his super speed thing and, and he's flashing back and forth in the screen and he kind of puts everything back to maybe the way it should be. Um, realistically, those cars that were flipped over are still not, are like not pristine and they flipped them back on the right side. I was like, eh. But then I was like, it, that wasn't the point about it, right? Again, we can we yeah. harp into details, but it was just Superman fixed it all up and was like, okay, we're good, you know. But the thing, yeah, the thing is, every, in every one of the every one of the movies, everyone, everything, everyone calls him a Boy Scout, but they never actually show him being like that Boy That's Scout. Fair. In this one, you get to see him be the Boy Scout. Yes, absolutely. Nice. <laughs> so there are things to appreciate about it, and again, it was. Where where I'm having I'm having to reset my expectations and I hate going into things with expectations and, and I feel like that the trailer yeah I was like oh my gosh we're gonna get this anime style Superman kind of action thing um, and it's it's a Superman sitcom is that fair <laughs> it, it's it feels more targeted towards younger viewers yeah. It is definitely, yeah, it's not targeted for my audience or whatever, but I'm a lover of all things Superman, so I will try to ingest all of it. It's also but. Adult Swim, so it could change. Like, weird, yeah. Well, it could change. Like, this, like, could be, like, something that grows as time goes on, or I don't know. Like, I don't know what their plans for it are, but I kind of like it. I don't need all my superhero stuff to be gritty and dark and i don't like that in superman anyway like this is the kind of superman that i kind of envision kind of from the old jla days and you know what that that's a that's a thing that we've talked about on this show before Seth, yeah that i i like the darker aspect of it i like the batman uh dark reality kind of world and it's bleak and See, and i'm and, fine with that for batman but, but you're right, yeah. If we take Batman out of it and we have just Superman, does it need to be that dark? And you know what? It doesn't. Well, it doesn't even need to be dark. Like, Batman can be dark while Superman can... Like, that's why they're... Yeah. Like, they work together. But when they're both, like, dark and broody, they're the same hero. Yeah, like, that's true. Like, Batman and Superman work as an odd couple because Batman's all gruff and grumpy and Superman's all sunshine and we got to save the pe all the people and batman's is like yeah. fine i don't make me except for yeah yeah so and i think i think you know for someone who likes the 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 darker batman side of it that's why i like Zack snyder's interpretation of uh the batman and in superman world but if you were to take that out let's say we want the if we want the you know, the Christopher Reeve era type of Superman where it's lighthearted and you kind of place the story mm -hmm. reporter. That's what my adventures of Superman is, you know? And I kind and of, I, I do like that. Like, I kind of think that's where Superman should kind of live mm -hmm. because 
like he is an all like an all powerful kind of like god figure almost. Yeah. By the time by the time most of the time when we're watching Superman movies or reading Superman stories, he's achieved that that final Superman power level. Yeah. Where he's mm-hmm. the biggest and the best. Yep. And I think that more of that Boy Scoutness in those depictions of him would make him a more interesting character. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he's like Batman and he's just like angry and like sad all the time, we're just like, oh, he's just stronger Batman then, I guess. <laughs> stronger, angrier Batman. Like, I just want um, the difference. Like, I want the contrast. Yeah. If, if you get, like, there's room for the darkness, but there's also got to be room for some of the, some of the people, like the light. Like, so, you... so would you prefer, or can you see as we go down the path here with my adventures of Superman, let's say they do a full season. It probably wouldn't be good for them then to look at introducing other aspects of DC into it. Right. We shouldn't no, bring I Batman totally in. We should. shouldn't. Yo, do I, you? Okay. I, yeah, I think they should introduce Batman and the Flash and whatnot. And, like, Batman should totally hate this version of Clark. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it should 1,000% be, like, sandpaper to Batman. Batman, and maybe he does, he's just like, no one can be this good. He's got a secret. I have to take him down. <laughs> that You know what? I would honestly enjoy that a bit. But yeah. I think I, if you're going to do that, it would be cool if Batman is like maybe a decade older than him. So, yeah, like, <laughs> I admire him a little bit, but Batman is just like older and jaded. It shouldn't be oh, like a young funny. billionaire Bruce Wayne. It should be like an older guy that just doesn't trust him. It's got to be something that stinks about Superman kind of thing. Like, yeah, and you know what would be a real fun? Like, you could also have like the trio investigating the legend of the Batman. Yeah. Yeah, and then Superman encounters the, the real Batman, who's just like an urban legend because he's just like a local superhero yeah. or something. <laughs> but you know, like that's kind of how Batman is sometimes presented as a an urban legend. Like when yeah. he begins some something like that, criminals are afraid of. He's not an. And I mean, it would make sense for this world because it's setting it up from like there's not like. When uh, Lois brings news of a flying man to uh, the chief, he's like, get out of here. That's ridiculous. So this is very much a world uh, where superheroes are only emerging, maybe. Mm -hmm. So, like, Batman could have existed. And the bad guys are using technology in all the worst ways kind of thing. But, yeah. 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 But, I mean, that would be really fun to me. Like, see an old, grizzled Batman dealing with this young, (laughs) idealistic Superman. (laughs) What world do you live in, Clark? (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to have the audience, our audience, you know, tell us what they think and their thoughts. But I think a concern for everybody who, you know, whether it's this animated TV show or their favorite movies that are going to come out, what the strike is going to do now that the actors have joined the writers yeah. in the strike against the Hollywood machine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we should talk about that a little bit briefly. So the Hollywood for those... machine, not boo the actors and the writers. Right, right. <laughs> Let me get that right. So um, the actors who I think the strike goes in effect when I read Midnight for SAG-AFTRA, uh, they are not allowed to do promotions of movies, not even from their personal social media. They're not supposed to do actual uh, filming, actors' work, nothing like that. And those three things are a huge impact, I think. Um, And what they're doing is they're joining the uh, writers who have been on strike for a while now. uh, Because, and this is the first time, this is only the second time this has happened since 1960, I think is what they said. And what that did then was get people more reasonable rates, conditions, a pension, and health care. So what this strike is, they're all rebelling against the use of AI and streaming without adequate compensation if things are going to be streaming, especially since what apparently made them walk away from the table um, is 
there was no guarantee of seeing the numbers of what is popular and then being paid related to those numbers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, well, another thing that made them walk away is that the the, the Hollywood uh, Union, the AMPTP, uh, proposed uh, had a groundbreaking AI proposal where they would pay a background actor a day's work to be able to use their likeness and image with AI forever. Yeah, forever, right. Yeah, that's, and, I think that was, a, and they wouldn't right. bend on that one. The actors were like, no, that's. No, you that don't bend on works. that. Yeah, and they wouldn't, but they wouldn't you bend. can't. But how long before do you, you think they'll be able to create images of actors that don't resemble real actors and they just use those in films instead of the, uh, I would guess it's this going to be the same. Uh, like that'll go into these negotiations. Is like, hey, you can't just you, you can't, can't use my likeness. No one's going to work on a movie where you're using AI uh, using this to replace actors. Yeah. What if the what if the movie's all AI? Well, then well I mean that's in do whatever they want, but <laughs> they still need. But to that you. Yeah, I mean that's animation at this point. The question is, will the voice acting be enough? And then the voice actors still probably wouldn't work if it was presented if completely AI. So like, that's what I'm saying. Like if the AI inflections and in voice, exactly. is that good enough to replace the voice actors? And if it there. isn't, you're going to have to still get contracts. And if those individuals say, no, you've used complete AI and you're trying to go that route, then we're not going to well, work. Here's, for you. The, here's the thing is just because you can, doesn't mean that you're going to be able to make money on it or that people are going to be interested in watching it. Right. One of the one of the things that brings people to films is they want to see their favorite actors. They want to mm -hmm. see something that somebody created that they know has a particular style or whatever. Not it, there's content that can be consumed just to consume, and that's whatever. But that's not what's going to make it into the big screen. I think the theaters would have to buy into it. The theaters well, would have to know that people are going to come in and they want to pay to watch it. And the first thing I always ask Bill when he's like, "Look, we're going to go see this movie." My first question is, "Who's in it?" Because I want to know what to Well, explain. mostly, though, Melinda, I think that's because that gives you an idea of the quality of the movie based that, on yeah, the actor, yeah. right? Yep. But, mm -hmm. Chris, to what you were saying, I think people will watch shows um, like take animation, uh, anime, for example, right? They have their favorite anime characters, and if a new one comes out, a new movie or something with an anime character that they like, they'll go see it. And I think that eventually it may get to be that way with AI. If you have these fully realized and able to speak um, like a normal human um, in a movie, that people will become similarly attached to those as they are to anime. I just I don't, don't yeah, I don't see that myself where people get attached to it. I don't because either. there's there's no compelling reason other than it's a niche, right? It's 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 not it's not actually anything real or big. So here's here's where you're gonna find out whether or not it's gonna work. And it's gonna happen in the adult industry because it's already happening a little bit now, is where you have fake people on yeah. these adult websites that don't exist that are gaining followers and 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 things like that, and they're not real. It's just AI generated titties right just mm -hmm. whatever so sure. um however um i don't i don't know that we're gonna see where that that takes off for a film where that has a following like so chris wait i was gonna say that i think people might be more willing to watch animated porn because in the back of their mind maybe no one's being hurt and no one's in an industry that they're taking advantage of. That's not possibly my daughter in an well, right. industry. That, that's that's, a, that's a niche area where I can see would be, yeah. would, would uh, for lack of a better way to say it, would be successful. I don't see it for blockbuster films so, and, and things like Chris, that. Chris, I'm actually going to agree with Bill here. And, the, and I totally think we're going to see AI actors who become big and famous and maybe a thing. Probably only like one or two. Because Hatsune Miko and the Vocaloid stuff. Mm -hmm. You have to explain that for people who don't know Bill. So I mean, Seth. Chris doesn't. You, you, I would thought you two would have known uh, the vocal. Uh, so there's a thing called a Vocaloid. It's basically a, just a, one of the first kind of computer-generated voices that was good enough to produce 
music, or at Oops. least, I mean, to to our ears, it's not very good. But uh, to certain people, just kind of ate it up. And like Hatsune Miko, it does concerts, ha- gives interviews, is a huge thing over at least in Japan. And I have come across this. Yeah, I just pulled it. Yeah. Like, so, she's had whole shows and goes, like, it's a whole media empire with these Vocaloid things. So, there there, there could be room for that. Where, where that stands with everything else, I don't know. And I, I think, I guess, I guess the question is, is there room for it? And is the concern that it, that it means that there's not going to be any writers or still actors and things like that? And I don't think that's the case. So, I think this is like out of the broad range of people who are producing films or whatever. You'll have that, as you mentioned, the one or two that maybe ten and fifteen percent of those might be AI based or something. But I, I think I'll moderate my stance just a little bit because I think Hatsune Miku works because she's very obviously fake. She's still very anime. Yeah. So maybe how I see this going is. Less that there are going to be AI actors that are popular in movies, but maybe there are AI actors who perform perform in animated movies. Okay. Could be. Yeah. It'd yeah. be a whole genre just for yeah. AI. Yeah, exactly. Like, It'd be it its own be, genre. It would be a gimmick, I think. Yes. That people know, would I attach think... to, and then you might see the... the... I think in the it next... Is. I think in the next maybe uh, 10 years or so, yeah. Uh, But I think um, eventually the AI creation, the AI themselves, the voice ability, and uh, the technology is going to be such that they're going to create such compelling performances. And think of the amount of money it will save a theater. I mean, not a theater, but a production company making a movie if they can have these... AIs doing all the stunts and everything. I don't, I don't know that it'll. I don't know that it'll ultimately end up saving them money yeah, because if the interest isn't yeah. there, there's no one. There's no one that's going to buy all that up. It's it's a huge. It's a it's a larger risk in my opinion. Yeah. To say that you're going to save money because let's be real here though, um, AI is still not cheap for the good quality or stuff that's needed. So what are you replacing that you're going to end up? Because it's all about profit, right? If you're going to have a yeah. net even, why even bother? But aren't they already aren't they already investing in a lot of the technology they would need for that? I mean, look at the AR walls that they have now. Mm-hmm. That's totally replaced, yeah. you know, set de- de- uh, decoration and design. That's been an, that's been an improvement on efficiency and and yeah. and, and lowering costs on the landscape stuff. That's I don't a, know that we'll see a. personalities where we see people get that's swapped out. I think that's what the, yeah. yeah, that's a tool in my right. and that, and that's yeah. how I always view AI, right? It's it's a, a it tool. enables us to do some things better or or yeah. or improve how a but film gets made. I could see sneaking in with um something like child actors. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not gonna have people aren't gonna be upset if you make an AI child actor instead well, of let, let's say let's say there was something that had to do with a child rapist and you wanted to get as far as you could oh, get, acceptably. That's know. where that's where you would take advantage of that, in in a I'm child right. actually without having to find an actual young that, child. Or, do we want to do that in film? Like, be like, okay, well, we've got we we have a computer model to to. No, uh, I'm not. I'm not saying depicting child like rape, like you'd use an AI just for that. But you have like older men who you might have kiss a young child that they might not be comfortable doing that you could fill in that gap with ai where so, it's acceptable to show this something that's not acceptable obviously on screen i'm not saying show a rape or anything like that but seth because there are movies that have depicted that uh, i don't i can't remember i think it was nick nolte was in a movie called prince of tides mm-hmm. and there's a scene where they're basically two of the kids and the mother are being raped by yeah these criminals and like you see the girl's feet kicking in one scene you see the boy pushed down and his face come up crying um and scenes like that won't be have to be filled by a child anymore okay that's 
maybe yeah. better. That's, it, that's what I mean. There, there's, there are films <laughs> that, that want to cover things like sex trafficking or whatever, but it's mm -hmm. hard to do a reenactment, if you will, of something without having to find like, oh, well, that she's definitely not like five, right? And it's just like as awful that, as that is. And and it, but again, it comes down to ethics. Like, should you go that far? Should we just leave it to our imagination and just cut to another scene, or do you go as far as you possibly can without having to actually use a child actor? I don't know. Well, and that that brings up a similar question in that if you can do this with AI with a great amount of realism and detail, and they're going to be using it in the porn industry, yep. are and that's, there... That's a concern, yeah. yeah are and to there Jenna's limits? point earlier, do you, does that, yeah. people will see that as I'm not actually doing any harm to anyone because it's right. not real. Uh, right. There's, there's like, other challenges. On the, other, <laughs> on the other hand, it, it will be, and I, is already being misused to put like real people's faces on these things yes. and produce yeah. uh, it, They do that with celebrities all the time now. never agreed to that. Yep. Did any of you get a chance to watch the uh, Jonah's Awful um, episode of Black Mirror? No, not yet. Not yet. Because no. uh, it, it kind of... It, <clears throat> what it does is it takes a person... Mm -hmm who has signed their, like their cell phone, you know, dealies, the, the terms and, mm -hmm. and then presents that person in an episode or uh, on the TV as AI representing that person. It makes it even. Oh, so they signed like something for their phone, like just the agreements and all that jargon. And yeah. then make completely for her phone and her yes. computer and whatnot. And they and the agreement they snuck in there was you you can have uh, AI represent you well and then at the same time what makes this episode funny is um, they have her played by um, uh, uh, Salma Hayek as AI from Salma Hayek also agreement so <laughs> letting AI be she gets paid if AI acts as her. So they've got a real person being represented by AI as an actor that everybody knows. And it's destroys wow. it destroys both their lives. Huh. So I mean, uh, that's that's the question that's gonna come. Like, right. Well, I, I definitely wanna have to, to see that because I do recall this was gonna be a thing and it was another look at where AI can be destructive uh in, it, in, in nature it gets so. a little just as a warning it gets a little i, I think american pie-ish in the middle <laughs> i love yeah. that i'm a huge fan of american pie personally so <laughs> now <laughs> i'm uh, now i'm looking forward to it so <laughs> I, I but i I'd, I'd be will i i just say even watch that alone if you're not going to watch the rest of the black mirror series just that episode was pretty good all right good deal so yeah i mean there's a lot of questions and i think that's why both the writers and the actors are getting trying to get ahead of it like for the because like for the writers like one example of where the ai hurts them so they get paid the most when they submit the first draft of a piece of entertainment that might be filmed mm -hmm. and then they get paid less for subsequent rewrites so they could use ai to build the first draft and lock the writers out of that payment and then use real people to do the rewrite to make the lines better, to add the more human touch that they need. But then they're getting cut out of the bulk of what they need or should be getting had let they me, put the, the, the scripts. Let me ask a question along that line then, Jenna. So they, they don't want the studios to be able to use AI to create the, the first draft of a movie script or something, right? What is your, What do you think about the writers being able to use AI to create that first draft? Do you think that should that's, be allowed? That's the unsaid thing because studios could argue, well, they're just using it. Mm -hmm. It's a or are we are we saying that the writers are artistically ethical and not using it? Right. Is that the assumption we're going to make? Right. Right. Because if you have that tool out there, anybody could use it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. However, 
Well, if you can afford well, it. Well, anyone can use it. The point, the purpose of it, though, is you have to feed it what it is, what it is you're trying to do. And sure. and so if you learn how to do it, it doesn't mean anyone can just type two sentences and come up with no. a huge thing. Uh, one but of the that, things that makes good films and, and story writing is is having that point to it, right? It's having that little bit of a, uh, a smartness to it and what it is you're trying to tell and how you do it. So do you um, think do you think prompt generators, people that design prompts that create these sophisticated AI outputs so would be as valuable as a writer? I think forward? prompts, I think even with the prompting though, it follows a similar formula because those prompts are going to be the same. It's one through 10, uh, just an example. I'm not, it's not exactly yeah. one through 10, but you know, <laughs> but if everyone answers them with these prompts, it's going to have this similar type of formula, uh, regardless of what people put into the prompts. And it's going to be a similar kind of output with, you know, when, when a lot of films are, are written in, in my opinion, some of them are kind of formulaic, right? We say, Oh, this mm -hmm. is a cliche film about whatever, the films that don't kind of follow that, that aren't prompted, right? Um, they're unique in what they're trying to tell, and those are those tend to be the better films, in my opinion. Um, every once in a while, you need a you need a B movie, a C movie, and maybe those are purely generated out of AI. But we're gonna feel like they're all kind of the same. They won't do well in the box office. Was it worth the I, effort, right? I don't think. So. I think this is. I think that it's out of the box. I mean, it's too late. We're talking. I don't think it's too late. No. Oh, it is corporations all over. Too late for what? To stop to put the genie back in the box. I don't think. I don't think box. there's. There was never putting a genie back in the bottle. But I think there's a. There's an inherent freak out <laughs> over like all these jobs are going away. And well, I'm not saying um, freak out, but I, that, there should be a certain acceptance that they've already. Big companies have already hired or moved people over to they have with the AI. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. But here's the thing. We can't assume that they have completely because there are unions and expectations to for the machine. For some to of those, the for some of those for, businesses, yes. Oh, for a lot of the businesses are there, I think. Right. Yeah, That's why I this They have to be able to survive until they can make a fully AI movie. And until it's then... Be a big, it's going to yeah. be a big player. The big player has the advantage. The big company has the advantage. It's I, in this pride. case, they really don't because they still rely yeah. in, in the turn in SAG-AFTRA and uh, in this current strike, the businesses don't have the advantage because they still rely entirely on creators, and mm -hmm. they have been living. They have been living yeah. high off of these profits for quite a while. It, but it, it sounds like, if I may. That we need an after dark AI part two. Yeah. <laughs> because we, right. we talked about we talked about AI in a recent mm -hmm. um, after dark, mm -hmm. Bill. I don't know if we published it yet. Um we did. but but we if did. we did, um, you know, check that one out. <laughs> but now we can see per that conversation, this is kind of the direction that we're going in. Right. And now we have this strike. Um mm -hmm. so it may be worth us to have a follow up conversation over what we're seeing and and you know the genie is out of the bottle. It's not going back in. No. Um, how rapidly is this truly declining? Right. Uh, or this becoming an issue? And and where are we where are we going from here? Well, well these I'd contracts say that get negotiated. They're for a specific term, right? Yeah. Because then they get renegotiated. So if it gets renegotiated in five years, maybe in five years the technology is advanced enough that they can tell the writers, "Hey, strike all you want. We don't need you anymore." Could. Could be, but uh, so like the next thing I think that we'll see is probably a gen like a general writers strike with the unions who are not uh, associated with Hollywood because uh, we've been getting reports that uh, one one of the major authors who hasn't been named yet uh, we're still kind of waiting on like the name of who who like released this. It, like the they hit he was in a they were in a contract negotiation and one of the sticking points that they're having a lot of trouble with is that the large publisher wants to be able to train AI off of and produce work off of their work. Yep. No. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. Well, I think then that'll have to be the license. That'll have to be. 
I think we do see a shift in that then where where authors and a bunch of writers start adding into the contracts that you cannot use my works for your large language models. Right. Right. But and the publisher or the large publisher want to do this. And how long, I know. That, how long does that last? Because at some point doesn't all works of <laughs> or whatever or, eventually yeah. end up in the public domain? Novels forever. What's that, Charles? So or or we can have Stephen King novels forever. Yes. <laughs> John no. wants new ones and new ones. Well, if the estate keeps control of it and keeps paying off and renewing, I think their their copyright, then they should be fine. It's like what Mickey Mouse does, even though it should have gone to public domain. Um, and I think you might logically, so we just don't know how the human variable and all this is going to play out. Logically, oh, they're going to make so much money off of fake actors, fake voices, everything like that. But what makes movies amazing? It's you go in, you see people, you're like, I could one day be an actor. What is one of the things that you ask a kid a lot? What are you going to be when you grow up? And when they're really young, they say, oh, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a model. I'm going to be a singer. Um, and if you take away that ability to become like, I could be on the screen. I could do that. Even if it's a child's dream, it creates a lifelong passion for movies. And if you look at the screen and that's cool, but you could, no nothing you could ever go aspire to. Yeah. 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 And what you might see then is a surge in popularity of the stage again, because people would rather go right. see real people right. acting instead mm -hmm. of what's on the screen. So I, I don't know. I think there's a human element. We cannot predict how people, especially kids, are going to react to all of this. I think I think things get removed a little easier than you guys are giving it credit. And I'll give you like oh, my no. example. I'll give you my example is I. One of the reasons I went to engineering is because I like doing uh, pen and ink work. I haven't mm -hmm. done pen and ink work for 30 years. It doesn't exist. Hmm. Right? Indeed. But on the other so, hand, life goes on. <laughs> it does, but you can still do pen and ink work if you want. Well, uh, yeah, but that was, the, the obsession was, uh, as a kid, was. Uh, uh, yeah, architectural rendering with pen and ink, right? And uh, that's not—it's not what it used to be. It's mm -hmm. not, but I'll bet someone would pay for it. And, no. and but <laughs> but that's that's still pen and ink, which is important. But it's not people—people people you can aspire mm -hmm. to be visibly in front of your face. Yeah, roles also, that you can aspire to do. Mm -hmm. Also, just, movies these aren't, things appear easier and so insane than what you think. Yeah, the kids movies, aren't the difference. Movies and media aren't just a, a single person's vision. They're a they're a collaboration between hundreds and thousands of people. Like yeah. the actors will bring their what they're good at and uh, their ideas for a character to it, and give them to a director who is interpreting the vision of the person who wrote the script. Uh, I mean, it's not always a good thing because sometimes the producers just want to get their, uh, get something of theirs in there. But like when it's all AI, it's just going to be a single thing chomping it and spitting out. And I feel that most of the time, I mean, if AI does take over to that extent, there's going to be a whole lot more live performances you will start to see going on because people want to see people acting. <laughs> they don't want to see AI. Yeah. I mean, and, and you have to think too, like all the makeup artists, all the amazing monster creations and makeup artists that have come about because of those individual creators. Um, if you just have a machine clunking out algorithm, they're going to keep doing the same thing over and over <laughs> versus these new concepts that could come out of this. You know, because something to feed into it, like, yeah. like Chris said. Yeah. Yeah. And here's, here's kind of my thought about, you know, allowing AI to train on other people's work. Um, you know, you look at that and you think, well, yeah, that doesn't seem right. But then when you look at what, people do you know you have maybe a great director or a great actor or a great author who have 
obviously seen movies somehow they learned how to do what they're doing and they've obviously read books or they've seen movies or they trained with somebody that knows how to do what they what it is they want to do so in a sense all of us learn from the work of others we We, don't do yeah but then then we put it through our own process through our own thoughts through our own but are they but where does that something new out of it Sure, but where does that come from? I mean, is that is that your your own processes and your own learning? Is that the sum of all of the books you've read and all of the movies you've read, as well as, of course, your life experience? Yeah, that then allows you to find me there. What's that? The bigger part of that is me there. Like, are we? Where do you come from, Stephen? Right. So forever. Okay. Here's here's the thing. We're running long on time. Right, yeah. right. And I mentioned earlier, this is going to need yeah. an After Dark AI Agreed. part two where we can continue yeah. this conversation. Because we, it, when it comes to AI, it's going to be a little bit of a rabbit hole and there's a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, but for, sure. uh, for the purpose of this episode, uh, I will rein it back in. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, uh, one, one, one small, just... Let's it's smoke. never small, Charles. See, we, I, it, last 15 it, it minutes, was, we keep going forget. down in different prongs. I'll All let right, I'm going to say, let's just not forget Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Paul Bunyan? <laughs> what? I, I don't the answer, it. people. The well, answer, well. you have to come back, because we'll we'll come back to Paul Bunyan. <laughs> come so back to Paul Bunyan and AI. We'll have to Paul Bunyan after dark episode. Yes, yes. Paul Bunyan, what? What? He lost, that, he lost that's how Charles is trying to that. hook people back in. There you go. Come back and see that next end episode. End it, Chris, before we get going. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Bill, take us out. <laughs>